Would you turn to somebody sitting next to you, take them by the right hand and say, it's a privilege for you to sit next to me. Those type of things tend to break the ice. And what you do notice as you look around to see how people approach that of saying those words, you see if they are, are self-conscious, whether they really believe what they're saying. But it is important to know that if you are a, a believer and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is a great privilege for someone to meet you. Because the Word of God says we are even as he is in this world. We are the only visual expression of Christ to people in our world who do not know him. When we go out of this place today, I'd like us to go out feeling a little bit better than when we came in. Otherwise, what's the point in coming? True? So, can we try that again? Now that you believe who you are, now would you turn to somebody? Lorraine, is it? Lorraine, it's a great privilege for me to stand before you. So could you turn to someone now and say, it's a great privilege for you to sit next to me. Now John has uh, rightly referred to the uh, times when we met a long, 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 long time ago. And a lot of water has gone under the bridge since those days. But it is a great privilege for Karen and I to be with you all. And I want to thank you for the invitation to come to see God's people. Our son has been down to you. Uh, we take no portion of blame on ourselves for that. And we say to him, he's responsible for all he says. But he does send his greetings to you. And he said to me, Dad, they are the best people in all the world. Now, well, I'm going to go back to him and say, I, well, this is what, how, what I found out. <laughs> all right? But it's always good to come to the best people in all the world. Now, I'm going to share with you some basic principles from the Word of God. Because the one thing I have found since being here this morning is this. You are a very talkative people. Aren't you? Yeah. So if you have a Bible with you, if you don't, I am assured by my good friend here that it comes up on a screen like magic. And if you have a telephone that's on, could you, at this moment of time, check it to make sure that it's off? Could you do that for us? Just pretend you're in the movies. You know? Just check your mobile and to see that it's off. Now, if you have your Bible, I'm going to take you to an easy book to find. It's the book of Genesis. It's chapter 1. That's the first book of the Bible. It's chapter 1, and we're going to read some words from some verses. 
The first verse or words I want to read is from verse 3. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. From verse 3 now. I need some good readers because my son also told me that you were also very good at reading. You must be because Phil was here this morning and he's a assistant or deputy headmaster and uh, he read out something that he wrote and it's very clear he read it well. So I'm assuming that we can all read well. So hands up if you are able to read well. This is for my son's benefit. Tim, they don't tell the truth. (laughs) All right. Could you read out for me, please, the first three words of that verse? Together. Say it again, please. Good. Could you now turn to verse 6? Could you read the first three words of that verse for me? Then God said. Verse 9. Wow. Verse 11. Then God said. Verse 14. Then God said. Verse 20. Then God said. Wow. Verse 24. Then God said. He's catching up. You were prophesying then, weren't you? Verse 26. Verse 29. Now what does that tell you? God is speaking all the time. God is speaking all the time. There was not anything created in our world that was not first proceeded and preceded by the Word of God. In other words, God's Word is creative. Everything that God says, you can depend upon. We had a testimony this morning, a wonderful testimony. Lorraine was interviewing, I assume, the mother and and aunt about a baby. And the testimony was this, despite what the doctors are saying, we believe God. Now, it's not that we are against doctors, we believe in doctors. They fight the same things we fight. They're trained in the field of human biology and anatomy. They're able to make a diagnosis and a prognosis of life. And they tell us to the best of their ability what the prognosis is going to be. We heard about a little baby with the prognosis as a negative and a big negative. But we heard about a very big plus when God's word was introduced. You can believe God's word over anything that comes your way. If God has spoken to you a word that is not yet fulfilled, let me say this to you, if God has spoken to you, not a man, not a woman, not a prophecy from some person, 
But you know God has said something to you. And it's not yet fulfilled. You are immortal until it is. And if you've run out of prophecies because they're all fulfilled, run back to God and get one quick. God said. God was speaking all the time. And God is speaking all the time to us. Sometimes, however, we, have, we don't have our antennae up in the right place. We were coming down to London yesterday, driving down, and we were trying to tune in the radio. There's a lot of things down here, sounds down here, different sounds down here than a in Wales, different sounds. In Wales, they speak a funny language. And then you come to Essex, and they speak a funny language. <laughs> but as the radio's tuning in, you can hear, and then suddenly, you ever tune in a radio? And you hear these sounds. If it is possible for us this morning to have the correct antennae, we would pick up the sound waves that are already in this room. Do you know that there's sounds already in this room that are not audible to the physical ear? But they're there. And God is constantly making a sound in his world. And he's constantly talking to us. And sometimes we say, I can't hear God. I, I, I really love to hear God. But he doesn't talk to me. He's talking to you all the time. It's just you've got to tune your hearing in. Not the physical you, but the hearing from the spirit within you who will always register what God Almighty is saying. Bless the Lord, all my soul. Now, when I say these words, God is good, you should say, That's nice. Now, obviously, you've been taught that. Right? So, Exactly. And when somebody says all the time, God is good. it's uh, repetitious. You've been taught something. See? But to actually believe that, God is good. You see? Notice the passion I put into God is good. And I heard the passion you put in all the time. <laughs> so let me do it your way. God is good. That's better. You know, it's important that you get stirred with the word of God that comes to you. I was listening to a young man preach the other day, and he preached with such passion. He finished the message, and he came off the platform, and he, he, was, he was perspiring. He had really given it his best shot. He said, uh, did you enjoy what I said? I said, no, but I did enjoy you. He said, you didn't I said, I didn't know where you were. But I said, I was so hooked with you. Whatever you were saying, you were passionate about. Whatever you were saying, you were caught by. And you caught me by you. You know, sometimes it's not what you say that catches people. It's you. It's also sometimes how you turn away people. It's not what we say, it's you, it's me. Now, the one thing about God is, if you agree with God's first statement, you're dead. 
he goes out fishing, throws out a first statement, and you say, I agree with that, Lord. You're on the line. You never get off. Because God is good. Now, you must be quick to respond. I'll be throwing that in as we go through. Why I do that is just to know if you're awake. No, I don't want you to do this. I saw one of those on the way down. It's in the back of a car. We were coming down just into this area, and we went over some bumps. And this little, little dog just went. I thought, just like Christians. He's just like a Christian. He's a Christian dog. Now, God says when you agree with something, say, say yes. Say amen. Agree with it. Fill the air with something. Can I say this to you, brothers and sisters in Christ? You can create your climate for miracles. Just quite some time ago, I went to a particular home as a pastor, visiting, quote, the members of the flock. And uh, I'd arrived at the wrong time. It was a kind of a detached house, and they had kind of two main rooms in the front. And I could see in the one room on the right, the husband and wife were having an altercation. I thought, why have I come to this house today? The boys were playing with some games, and suddenly the husband seemed to look through the window, and he saw me. And suddenly he said something to his wife. The wife said something to the children. And I'm still standing on the door, having knocked the door, waiting for them to answer. But there's this commotion that I could hear. Suddenly the wife appeared. Big smile. Oh, it's so nice to see you. I said, and it's really nice to see you. Peace in the house. And she looked at well, yes. I said, fine. So she keeps talking to me, and I'm still on the doorstep. So I looked at her with her name's Barbara. I said, Barbara, it's really nice to talk to you. I said, but I'm not selling anything on the doorstep. Is it possible for me to come in? Oh, she said, forgive me, come in. So I walked to the door. The commotion had been in the room on the right. So she begins to show me to the room on the left. I wasn't very good at that. I made a mistake. I went to the room on the right. I don't know why it happens to me. I always seem to make mistakes. So a husband sitting there, like, like a rabbit caught in the headlights of a car. And he says, why have you come to see us? I said, well, how good and how pleasant it is for men, elders particularly, to come to see you. I just came passing this way, thought I'd come to bless you. Oh, is that why you've come? Well, why else would I have come? Well, I don't know. But I sure was worried. So his wife comes in. Would you like a cup of tea? I said, no, just come and sit down here. I said, I'm not staying long. 
I just want to enjoy the atmosphere of the house. <laughs> so Frank says, what atmosphere? <laughs> well, I said, you know the tendency is this. If you live in something a long time, you don't know what you're living in. But I said, I've come from outside. And I can tell there's an atmosphere in this house. So I said, what's been going on? So Barbara looked at me and said, well, we've been having some difficult times and suddenly she went through the whole story and sometimes we end up having arguments. And I said, you know, the whole house is filled with an atmosphere created by your words. So I said, I'll now go to the room on the left by myself. And you and your husband can do what is necessary in this room to cleanse the atmosphere. It's called forgiveness and the power of love. I said, if you can do that, the whole house, the atmosphere of the house can be cleansed into a climate where God is able to move. Can I say this to you, brothers and sisters in Christ? The words that we speak creates a climate. What we say to each other has power. So now I want you to look at a little scripture in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, book of Proverbs, chapter 18, Verse 21. The tongue can bring death. All life, those who love to talk, those who love to talk, will reap the consequences. Now this scripture is not saying you don't talk. This scripture is not telling you to stop loving talking. But this scripture is simply saying that whatever you say, let it be life-producing. It's to have somebody around that no matter what the situation is, you call a friend and you say, this is the situation and the only thing that friend can say is, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Why? Because God is good all the time. So on a Sunday morning, we can sing, God is good all the time. And he says, we'll put it to the test. So he arranges circumstances... For us to be in. Situations that are adverse. And it is important to understand that as Christians, we are not immune to the same things the world faces. Because even God sends the rain upon the just and the unjust. He's not interested in the circumstances that surround us. 
God is interested in how do we respond when we are in them. And it's when you're in the crisis can you simply say, God, you are good all the time. Even in this situation I know that all things do and will work together for good to those that love you. How many of you, there is a gentleman outside with a white coat, but is there anyone here who talks to themselves? Uh, Now, this section here, I'm just going to ask the question, I don't want you to do anything, I just want you to look at this section. Okay? Is there anybody here in this section that actually talks to themselves? Yes? Raise your hands all up, please, for this section to see. All right, hands down. How many in this section believe that you hear God talking to you? Hands up if you say you hear God talking to you. Hands up if you believe. If you believe, you hear God talking. All of you are excused from jury service. That's one of the questions we ask in the States to people who come on a jury. Do you hear God talking to you? And if you say yes, you don't go on the jury. We want to deal with facts. We don't need mystics. Now, how many of you saw the hands? Right, would you look at the section? Would you look at the section? How many here talk to themselves? How many of you in, you actually talk to yourselves? Okay. Hands down. Sir, number 22. It's all right. Are you 22? Yeah, you're 22. Is that an NFL shirt or? You don't know? You never talk to yourself. No? Have you ever sat an exam recently? Quite. What kind of exam was that? Did you say to yourself, I did well on that paper? Did you say to yourself, I've done bad on that paper? You did? See, you spoke to yourself. <laughs> did you pass? No? I'm sorry? Good. The, the big thing is to me, you spoke to yourself. <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. I used to have the same problem. Every exam I sat, I came out saying, I did bad on that paper. Right? Sometimes I passed. This section. Please look this way. Could I ask how many of you speak to yourselves? I'm sorry? Do you mean do you mean Well there's a question here. Do you speak in your head or do you speak out loud? Both. How how many of you here speak to yourselves out loud? 
How many of you speak to yourselves in your head? There's more of you. More of you like that. That's good. I hadn't thought about that. Thank you for that suggestion. What's your name? Lucy? I won't forget you, Lucy. (laughs) We speak to ourselves. And most times, it's not in the exam that we are sitting for a test for school. It's the exam of life. And what is the first response when we are in a difficult situation? God, you're good. In every situation, you were good. Is that the response? Or, God, just driving down here and I get a flat, a puncture. And you get out of the car and you kick the tire. Thank God, I'm doing it today, it's Saturday. I wouldn't do that on Sunday. And then I realize I'm in Goldish Green. I shouldn't have done it Saturday. <laughs> Here, kick the tire. And you think, God! John told me to be there on time. And I'm not going to be on time! How long have I been in ministry? (laughs) Haven't I sold you, served you for over 40 years? And you do this? (laughs) But I want you to know you're good. Have you ever done that to God? Not Not outwardly. You know, but in your head. <laughs> you must be careful of the hemorrhages in your brain. But you speak it out. You just think, Lord, this is an adverse circumstance. This is a difficult situation. And God simply says, you just get on your knees or on the roadside and you begin to pray. He said, won't help you. Lord, I I need your help. He said, that won't help you. Just go to the trunk. There's a spare tire. Change it. (laughs) Lord, if you hadn't allowed this flat, this puncture, I wouldn't need to do that. He says, I did allow it. Change the tire. It's what do we say to ourselves? Do we create good things to ourselves about God and about ourselves? Or do we begin to start in process a negative statement which leads to a bigger negative and before we find it, we're already in a big hole. In the tongue, there is the power to bring death or life. Here's the next thing I want you to do. Lorraine, you're going to need help from Andrew. Okay? Here's this. I want you all to turn to somebody, look at them, 
and I'd like you to tell them something positive about themselves. Tell them something positive about themselves. How many enjoyed, how many of you enjoyed what was said to you? How many of you appreciated or appreciated what was said to you? I'm praying for people with hard of hearing afterwards. <laughs> I was just saying, how many of you appreciated what was said to you? Did you appreciate what was said? Could you, would you like to tell the rest of us what the lady said to you? Okay. Now, when you go, when you go south and come north and go east and go west, that's when you know you're in Essex. <laughs> Wherever. Could I ask, where are you from? Are you from this area? No. From Harry, from Tottenham. Yeah. Yeah. Tottenham explains that. Yeah. So could you tell us then what you said to yourself? No. Okay. All we want to know is simply this: when you say something to yourself. You should feel better. It's all right. You don't need to shoot her. When you say something to yourself, you know that you feel better for having told yourself that. You create an atmosphere in your own mind. Now, to the lady that was talking about speaking in your own mind, here's the one thing. You cannot really help anyone else if you only speak in your own mind. You may help yourself, but even it's better for you to speak it out, and that will even be more positive. Because your words, your words that are spoken, are spoken into the heavens. They are spoken into the heavens. Malachi, last chapter, says this. God was listening to righteous men and women who feared the Lord. And he was listening to what they said. God listens to what we say. And he loves to hear a person speaking well to themselves, even though they may be from Tottenham. <laughs> he loves the people of Tottenham. But God wants us to speak good things to ourselves. You might have faced a situation at times when in facing it you say this, Lord, this is impossible for me to do. And what would you say to that? All things are possible to God, 
That's true. All things are possible to God. But here's another statement Jesus says, all things are possible for those who believe. You see, we don't leave it all in the hands of God. The heavens belong to the Lord, but God has given the earth for men. That's what the Bible says. And there are things that God can do for us that no one else can do. But there are things that we can do for ourselves that God is not prepared to do. God in his goodness can lead us to repentance, but God is not prepared to repent for us because he can't repent. But God wants at all times for us to be mustered, to be kept in, a, in the scriptures to let this word, if you like, as he said to the prophet, eat the word. That is, let the word of God go into you. Read the scriptures and then digest it and read it so that when you're in a crisis, the promises of God come out of the word, leap into your spirit and you bring the word of the Lord. The other day I went to a bank, my own bank. There's a young lady behind, she was a teller at the counter, and uh, she said, um, yes? <laughs> I said, I- I'd like to withdraw this amount of money, please. She said, how much? So I told her. She said, that's a lot of money. I said, that's right. It's a lot of money. This is in the bank. <laughs> so there's a line, a, a-, a queue behind me, and uh, they're all waiting. I said, it is a lot of money that I'd like to have it out, please. She says, um, I don't recognize your face. I said, I don't recognize you. I said, <laughs> she said, I-, I have to call. And she called someone else to come in. And she said to the lady, I don't recognize this gentleman. And uh, so the lady says, hello, Mr. Jones. I said, Hello, nice to see you again. I said, there's a problem here. She said, what is the problem? I said, well, I came to ask for this money. And this young lady says, it's a lot of money. (laughs) And I told her, it is a lot of money. Well, she said she would just want to know, kind of, um, what would you be using the money for? (laughs) I said, excuse me. I said, you didn't ask me when I came and put the money in the bank. You just took it from me. So I said, all I know is, I know what I've got in the bank. Here's my card. Here's my checkbook. Look up in your computer. So everybody's listening to the story. I wanted them to hear the story. And suddenly the little girl goes in there and she goes, you have adequate funds. I said, I know that. I said, do you think I could have my money back? (laughs) Yes, she said, do you want it in an envelope? I said, yes, please, give me something for free. (laughs) So I take my money out. Now, I went to the bank asking for that sum of money, knowing that I had the money in the bank. Here's your bank book. This is your account. You look in the word and you suddenly find the promises of God. I'm not talking about being religious. 
That's usually a get-out for people who don't read the Bible. Your word, the psalmist said, your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. The psalmist says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. That man will be like a tree planted by the waters that brings forth fruit in its season, and his leaf shall not wither. Psalm 1. You search the Bible and you suddenly find the promises of God to you that when you're in a crisis, the Holy Spirit can bring to your remembrance. Please know this. He he is only able to bring to your remembrance what's been put in your memory. My dear friend, you're very good on computers, I assume. It's like magic with you. I just say something and boom, it's up there. So, do you know something about computers? (laughs) Perhaps. Can a computer give anything out that's not it's not programmed for? Can't do that. You mean to say that a computer has to be programmed, and it's only able to give out what it's been programmed to do? How many of you who know anything about IT would you raise your hands, please? I want to verify this statement. Young, young gentleman, sir, I can see you are very clever. <laughs> it's all right. It's true. You're very clever with IT. All right? Is it possible f- for a computer to reproduce anything for what it's not programmed for? Theoretically. And practically? No. <laughs> Have you been to theological college? <laughs> you sounded like a theologian then for a moment. They all tell me about theoretically. Practically, no. It's only what it's programmed to do. It can regurgitate. It can recall what's in it. See this? It's not a book that Christians buy to put on a shelf. It's a book that you can open... Because through the scriptures, you'll find Christ. The scriptures speak of him. But so many people that I meet. I remember a lady in a crusade meeting. She came into a meeting one day in a wheelchair. And her son was pushing her in this wheelchair. And she came forward and I went to her and I said, we're going to pray for you. And I said, could you tell me uh, what's wrong? Never ask people what's wrong. It's not going to help you. Certainly will not help your faith when they tell you what's wrong. So I made the first mistake. I asked her what's wrong. So she begins to run down the list of what was wrong with her. And I thought, God, I don't know even if you can do this. (laughs) So I looked at her and I said, you sound like you're bionic. She smiled. And I just thought, There wasn't anything in me to believe. As she told me the story. And suddenly her son, who was standing there, he looked at me and said, Sir, I don't know who you are. I heard what you said this evening. But God told me from his word 
a promise concerning my mother. And God also told me that I was to bring my mother to this meeting. And God told me I would wheel this wheelchair out and my mother wouldn't be in it. I looked at this young man. Sir, how old are you? Nineteen. That was his age. He stood behind his mother as she sat in the wheelchair. I said, son, do you actually believe that God told you that? He said, sir, I do. I looked at that lady. I said, do you believe that? She said, I do. So I took her by the hands and simply said, therefore, in the name of Jesus, you stand up. She'd been in that chair for over 12 years. Said, in the name of Jesus, you stand up. And she stood up. I watched her son and that lady wheel that wheelchair out of that auditorium. And I just thought, I had faith when this young man spoke to me. He said to me a word that God had spoken him, first from the Bible and then into his own spirit. My mother is going to wheel this chair out. It's about nine months later, I went to the city of Nottingham to a church that I'd never, ever been to. I went to the door and there was a a young man there. He said, it's good to see you again. I said, I'm sorry. I don't know who you are. I've never been here. He said, well, you might know the lady. And he opened the door and a lady came out. She said, hello, it's good to see you again. I said, I've never been here before. I don't know who you are. She said, well, I'll just simply say this. We gave the wheelchair to Oxfam. (laughs) You see, words can create faith. And when faith is present, anything can happen. For you in this meeting this morning, who are facing challenges, facing challenges, you may be facing a challenge with your child, you may be facing a child with a baby, you may be facing all kinds of challenges. My wife and I face health challenges with five, five of our children. We have five children, and all of them had major complaint to the point whereby we were always told by the doctor none of them would recover. Our son who came down to you here was told by the doctor as he was deaf that he would never hear. He was told by the doctors what we were told that he would never hear. But God told us that we were covenant people and the God of covenant is the healer. We took him not only to the British hospitals, we took him to Barnes Hospital in St. Louis, children's hospital, to be examined by certain ENT surgeons and doctors there. And they told us exactly the same. He's never going to hear. That was the prognosis. And then one of them said, I'm a Christian. Next Sunday, now that you're in St. Louis, if you come to the meeting, we pray for sick people. Bring your son. And we took our son. When you're in a crisis, 
you'll go anywhere where there's hope. But this doctor simply said, we pray for people. The preacher preached his message, and then he made the statement, if you're sick, come forward. And I looked, we looked at our boy, we took him by the hand, and we walked him down the aisle of that church. Looked at the preacher and said to him, he's deaf. And he prayed for him. And after he prayed for him, he looked at Timothy and said this, young man, every day for the rest of your life, you are to thank God for healing you. We brought our son home, back to the surgeons. They tested his hearing, and they said, something's wrong. He's plumb normal. He's plumb normal. Why? God had stepped in. It does not matter where you've come to. God will step in. It just takes somebody to say a word to you and say this. When people say, it's all up for me. And someone steps in and says, no. God is going to perform a miracle. A lady walked into the, off the streets. Mascara running down her face. She came to the office with my secretary and there she sat and she poured out her heart. She said, I'm facing a divorce. My husband's going bankrupt. My boys are on trial in, in court this week. I just can't go on. I came into the city and I felt to take my life and I saw the sign of this church. I said, you know, I'm not able to do anything other than say this to you. God is a God of miracles. She gave her life to Christ there in that office. She went home with these words, I'd like to meet your husband, and I met him two days later, and he came to Christ. They were reconciled in their home, in their marriage. Their sons, by a miracle, were never sent to jail. The business never failed. They are happily married and the business is still strong. Their relationship is going on. Why? Because I believe that the God who said he's the God of miracles, he does do what he says he does. The tongue can bring about death or life. Decide today life. You may be in this meeting and you've never ever given your life to Christ. Hear me carefully, friends. It was not long ago I sat, was speaking in a meeting, and at the end of the meeting, a young man came forward. He was about, he must have been about six foot five. Most of the time I look up to people anyway, but he was big. He said, thank you, sir. That was a good talk. I should thank you for saying that. I said, when did you become a Christian? He looked at me. He said, I was born into a Christian home. 
I said, could I shake you by the hand? He said, why? I said, I would like to meet the person, the only person that I've ever met that Jesus didn't die to save. He looked at me. He said, said, Jesus didn't die to save me? I said, no, sir, he didn't. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come into the world to save the righteous. He begins to cry. Big, big, big sobs. He said, I want to give my life to Christ. I was raised in a Catholic home. I attend Mass every week. I believed I was right until I heard you talk, but I thought... Being born in the Christian home, I thought I was a Christian, and I've never given my life to Christ. I said, sir, it's but a word away. Those of you who are in this meeting tonight, this morning, you believed in your heart, Romans chapter 10. Can you throw that out? Believed in your heart, and you did what? You confessed with your mouth. You sealed your eternal destiny by a word. How many of you are married? Don't be ashamed. Put your hand right up. Okay. Don't look across the room. Don't look, don't look across the room. Don't look for your wife. Don't look for her. All right? You're married. Can I ask you a question, man? How long is it since you were married? Fifteen years. Were you married in a church building? In a registry office? Where? In a park? Were certain words said to you about, do you accept this man to be your husband? And you said, yes. What did he say? He said yes. Thankfully. Would it have been possible for you to have been married to him without you saying anything? No? Would it have been possible for him to be married to you without saying anything? So you mean to say you sealed your destiny of joy? (laughs) All right? Of joy? By simply, yes. That's all. You married, sir? Can you remember the day? I'm not going to ask you how long ago, okay? I know what it's like. (laughs) Ladies always remember dates. Were you in a church building? In the park? Almost in in a garden. Was there an officiating minister or something there? Yeah? Did he say to you the same? Do you receive... (laughs) Well, we look at the certificate later. Um, but did he say to you, do you take this lady to be your, your wedded wife or something like that? And what did you say? Did your wife say the same? Did she say yes? Could you have been married if the yes hadn't been said? No. It's all to do with the yes. person believes in the heart. Do you know... The distance between a believer and a non-believer is the distance of three letters. Y-E-S. Are you a Christian? 
Carrie, are you a Christian? No. Do you want to become one? Yes. Simple. Lord Jesus, I know the state I'm in. I want you to become my Lord and Savior now. He says, yes. All it is, yes. Has anybody here has ever come to Jesus and he said no? He's always a yes. Always a yes. You have sealed your eternal destiny. Hear me carefully. You have sealed your eternal destiny by simply saying yes. Now, what I'd now like you to do, because time is gone, I'd like you to turn to somebody, if you've made such a decision, and tell them, I want you to know that I gave my life to Christ. That's if you've done that. Can you do that? Now, I realize, I realize that some of you, some of you may say, but this is the church, we don't need to tell them. Well, I finished this story. I was out in Switzerland, and I was invited to go to a Lutheran church. There was a preacher preaching, and he preached an excellent sermon. And after he, all the people were absolutely quiet when he was speaking. They never said boo or bar. They didn't say an amen, yes or no. They didn't say a God is good all the time, nothing, just absolute silence. He finished the sermon. Then the pastor who was interpreting for him looked at me and said, would you like to say a few words? I said, no. He said, but surely you'd like to say a few words. I said, no. He said, that was a wonderful sermon. He said, well, I don't know if you're going to be here again. It would be nice for these people to hear you. I said, okay. So I asked this question. How many of you here present have ever told someone that you've given your life to Christ, you've believed in Christ? How many of you have ever confessed to someone that you become a Christian? Would you raise your hands if you've done that? No, no, not yet. That was in this meeting in Switzerland. <laughs> no one present raised their hand. No one! I was so confused, I said to the pastor, Sir, I don't know if you've been translated this correctly. I'm just asking if there's anyone here in this meeting who has testified, confessed, told someone that they've accepted Christ. He said, that's what I said. I said, would you do it again? So he asked them again. And no one raised their hand. I said, Sir, I want to tell you something. Would you now tell them that none of them are saved? He said, excuse me. He said, what do you mean none of them are saved? If you confess, I don't know what you're believing. I only know what you're believing when you confess. And Jesus said, he who confesses me before men, I'll confess him to my Father. Something happens when you confess Christ. Jesus goes into business and says, Dad, John's believed. 
Don't believe the funny stories about when you get to heaven and Peter's with his book, big book outside the gate. If he's outside the gate, it ain't Peter. <laughs> Let's squash that story. And even if he's inside the gate with a big book, it's not Peter. Jesus got the big book. But it's confession with your mouth. So the pastor says this to the people, and he says, if you've never confessed, confess now. And suddenly, these people started going across the church, and they were talking to each other, and suddenly these faces that were mournful and sad became joyful and happy, and they were kind of, praise God. I said, how many of you will confess Christ this morning? And all hands went up. I said, I declare you all saved. <laughs> I've never ever been in a meeting across the world like that where 100% people came to Christ. Um, is there anybody here who is a midwife? <laughs> uh, no, I, I, not that one, no. I need another midwife. I need another midwife who doesn't talk in her head. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Could I ask how long you've been a midwife, ma'am? 20 years? Now, I don't know, but I, I'm going back a long, long way. When babies were born and they didn't make a noise, when they didn't make a noise, the midwife, this is a long way back, the midwife was not prepared to let that baby speak in their mind. <laughs> the midwife would get that little child, pick it up by the ankles, like a, like a turkey at Christmas, and smack that derriere until that baby made a noise. Did you ever, ever seen that happen? Never? Never seen that? I have. That's a long time ago. And you ask the girl, why did they do that? I asked the midwife when she did, say, why do you do that? Why, why you, well, what are you hurting the child? Well, she said, I'm not trying to hurt the child. I'm trying to get the child to breathe. She said, Dr. Jones, you need to understand this. This child has been in the womb of a mother for basically nine months. This little, ba- this little girl has lived off the mother for nine months. She's now come into a new environment and a new world and she has to learn how to breathe herself. We've got to get her lungs going. And she said, sometimes this is the best way, shock. I said, oh, that's what it's all about. Something to do. She said, nothing to all We just want her lungs to expand. We want this little girl to live in a new environment. And I started to think. I thought, here's a midwife who didn't want the child to come into the world is silent because it poses a problem. I've learned this as a father five times over with my dear wife six times over. I'm the sixth. Is when there were times when our children fell downstairs in our house, and they did, we never worried when they were bawling their heads off. But we were very disturbed if they didn't say anything, if there was no noise. We remember putting our two children in a a bath upstairs, and we heard this noise, 
And I was sitting with my wife, we were having a cup of tea, and suddenly there was this wonderful aroma of Da Vinci, Esther Lauder, Clinique. <laughs> and I was getting deeply worried. I thought, and the children were silent. But I thought, this is a fantastic. I said to my wife, isn't that your perfume? She said, yes. I was thinking of money. I ran up the stairs, and they were in the bath, and all her bottles of perfume were in the bath. And they were, they were just looking at me, and they were smiling. I said, don't empty the bath. Don't let that water go. When there were silences in our home where children were involved, we used to get deeply disturbed. God is equally disturbed because the moment you believe in Christ, Father, the first thing you, Father, Father, the moment we believe, Abba, Abba, Father. From the moment you believed, you made a declaration, Father. And as you received him, book of Colossians says this, as you received him, so continue to walk like that. Believe, confess. Believe, confess. Make your confession. Turn to somebody right now and say, it has been a great privilege for me to sit next to you this morning. Encourage each other with words. Let your words be creative. Go out of this place and make sure that when you lead somebody to Christ, they confess him. Speak God's words to your wife. Tell her that you love her today, 15 years after. 40 years after. Don't say to her, I told you that when we got married. <laughs> make a positive confession today that's alive. Encourage one another to say to the lady who testified, I want you to know that testimony did me good. To say to the young man, Phil, who read his note, it did me good when I read it. A new day has come, he said. I choose life. And I choose the life of, a, of abundance that you have gifted me. He's speaking to himself. I choose life, and I'm choosing the life of abundance that you've gifted me. Sir, good man, you. God's gifted you with good life. Do you believe that? Sir, did you hear what he said? Can you tell him he's made a good confession? And you say to him, thank you. Hallelujah. Just simply, John, thank you very much for allowing me to come. Folks, thanks for allowing me to be here. If you are here today and you need a prayer for your health, can I say this particularly for a particular gentleman who's here? You've, got some re you've had some real problems with your right ankle. God wants to make that well. But just simply, if you are here in this room and you need prayer, would you have to leave at a certain time? I'd like to pray for you because I believe that God is the God of miracles. And if you've never ever put your trust in Christ, 
Look at me and say, in, inside your mind and inside your heart, where no one can see what's going on, you say inside yourself, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you that you've received me on those words now. And if you've done that in your heart, you go to somebody and tell them, I want you to know I've accepted Christ. You believe with your heart. You confess with your mouth. Amen? Would you stand up, please? God is good. In every situation and all circumstances, God is good. All the time. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for allowing us to come together. Thank you so much for staying in there with us when others gave up on us. Thank you for picking us up when we were down. And thank you for holding us when we were up. Thank you that you are the God who is always there when we're in trouble. And we want to thank you that you always deliver us from our troubles. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for Jesus. And we want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came. We want to thank you that you were obedient to the death on the cross. And that you took our sins and sin in yourself. Thank you that you were buried and you rose again. That we could be free from the tyranny of death and sin. And thank you that you've given to us of your spirit that we know your life. Father, from this place, help us to go to reach other people who do not know you. With a positive word, which is the power of the word of God. I pray for every child represented in this church, every child, that the canopy of your hand will be over them, that you will protect them, that they only always will know health and strength, that in the name of Jesus, the enemy will be kept at bay, that young men and women will have the opportunity to grow in the atmosphere of love, encouragement, and faith. To grow up as true citizens of your kingdom and benefits to this world society. I ask you, Father, for people in need in this room. I want to thank you that you are the God who is a very present help in our trouble. And I'm asking you, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus right now, in this room, at this moment in time, put your hand, put your hand on sick bodies and in Jesus' name, let your power come from the top of the head to the sole of the feet. Let your power of healing come to every joint in that body. 
Let there be cleansing of blood. Let there be removal of growths. But that in the name of Jesus, today this church will be birthed into a phase of health. In the name of Jesus, we ask that. And in the name of Jesus, we ask you to bequeath it upon your people. We commend ourselves to you, to your love and your care, and thank you. You are a great and faithful God. We thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Turn now to somebody, shake, shake them by the hand and say, God has more in store for you today. Okay. That's good. Thank you very much, Kerry.